We welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We're glad that you are here to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We want to commence with number 462, Be Thou My Vision. What is the meaning of this hymn when we have these words, the prayer we are asking that we would have the, the Lord would be our vision? Really asking and praying that the Lord would encompass all of our comprehension, all of our interest, all of our desire. We want the Lord to be our vision and to fill all of our being. Let's stand as we worship the Lord with this hymn. desire the Lord to be our vision and to take up all of our comprehension and our aspirations. We think of what it says in the third verse, riches I heed not. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Believer, I want us to think on that thought today about the Lord being our inheritance. And it's not something just of a temporary measure. It is that which 
will be for all eternity. Let's bow before the Lord, please, now in prayer. Our loving Father, we still ourselves in Your most holy presence this morning that we are found once more in the place of prayer and of praise, a place where we can come to unite one with another in our thanksgiving and worship. We come to seek our God. And Lord, I ask at the very beginning the Holy Spirit will come to help us in all of these areas that we have great need in. And Lord, as I pray here as one man, yet may we be united in our hearts and in our prayers, sending up a volley of intercession, of thanksgiving to the God who is the one who has made us, Lord, through whom we have been redeemed, not with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. And therefore, Lord, today, as we stand clothed in the righteousness of Christ, we know we are not any longer under condemnation, which we so much deserved, but we have been released from that, Father, and we have been given the greatest of all blessings and gifts, the knowledge of sins forgiven, Lord, the knowledge that we have a home in heaven and that we will never be separated in a lost eternity. What an inheritance that we have. O oh God, today, fill our hearts with true thanksgiving and worship. Help us to appreciate more and more our Lord Jesus and all He has done on our behalf. Father, help us to realize the cost of Calvary, the cost of the suffering of our blessed Savior, and never let those thoughts leave us from every day of our life, whatever time we have left. Help us to think often about this great truth and to be able to share the wonder of so great salvation with those we meet. Let us speak out that Word with the confidence and joy and power of the Holy Spirit. And help us, we pray, to live out that testimony as our lives are known and read of all men. Lord, I pray that we will not be a bad example, a bad ambassador, a bad testimony, but always let us, we pray, have the power of the Spirit of God, and to walk and to live in a sanctified life, and to know the holiness of Christ about us. In our unconscious moments, let the beauty of Christ reflect from our lives, and let the glory of the Son of Righteousness be seen in the reflection as the, the moon reflects the glory of the sun. And so, Lord, hear our prayer this day. Settle us in Your presence now, and may our hearts be not distracted from the other things of this life. I pray that every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, would be settled and in a right spirit of worship and praise. Bless already today the, 
boys and girls that have received the Word in the Sunday school, in our Bible classes as well. Bless the teachers that have taken time to prepare the message and their hearts also being prepared. And Lord, bless them abundantly now. Perhaps some thinking that the message didn't go very well, it didn't be communicated the way I had hoped. Lord, whatever that case may be, may their soul be strengthened and edified and blessed and encouraged. And what we are praying and have prayed for our own Sunday school and Bible classes, we pray, Lord, for our pulpit here. We ask for all of our sister congregations. We pray for every man who either has stood or will stand behind the pulpit to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ today. May they know the joy and the blessing and the power of the Spirit of God in communicating the Word faithfully. And Lord, let there be an ingathering of precious souls that have come to know Christ as their own Savior, and they will enter into the joy and peace of full salvation. Our Father, remember today all of our missionaries. Remember today those who are suffering being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Be with them, Lord, and let their light shine very brightly among their persecutors. Remember today, Lord, all in our own congregation who are sick and perhaps recovering from surgery, maybe set aside because of some infirmity. Bless them where they are and encourage their hearts. And Lord, we ask that you would bring in those in our congregation who know and love Christ and who are concerned about the serious matters of the gospel and bring in those who are our neighbors and friends around about us to hear the message of truth and salvation and save, we pray. Bless our electronic sign that scrolls the Word of God continually We're thankful, Lord, for this outreach. Bless our outreach cards that are going to be mailed out this week into the various homes and apartment buildings in the Malvern area. Father, we pray that the gospel message that goes out on these cards would be fastened to the minds of those people who read them. And they'll not just be trashed, but rather they will be read and the Word of God will be impacted in their life. We think of the gospel message that's contained there by way of the video QR code, Lord. Use and bless that, we pray, to the honor of King Jesus. And so, Father, hear us now today. Bless us in all of these matters. And lift our hearts that we might rejoice today and enter in with full praise and thanksgiving. For we ask all these things Lord, one more thing. We don't want to forget those that are grieving the loss of loved ones. Think of our sister Dorothy Bodner today. And we pray that you would comfort and encourage her and others in our own church that have lost loved ones recently. Lord, bless and strengthen them as well. So hear us in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Psalm 84. Psalm 84 will stand again as we sing.
great psalm, and it's amusing and encouraging when you think about the tenderness of the Lord, as David was referring here to the little birds that take their nests in the altars of the Lord. And interesting that it did not appear that those nests were going to be disturbed or taken away, and the Lord has a place for even the smallest of creatures. We're told in the book of Proverbs how that the spider will be found in king's palaces. I'm not so sure how that refers to the plague of skunks that we had a few years ago here burying themselves under the outside of our church here. Uh, I don't know if we were supposed to let them be and live uh, as long as they wanted to there because, of course, they left sometimes an unpleasant odor in our church. And so we thought, well, they would be better found a location out in the field somewhere other than here. And nonetheless, God has all of His creatures, great and small, and uh, we thank the Lord uh, for His creation. We're going to read in our Bibles now from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. reading the first 18 verses, and verse 17, it speaks about us being joint heirs with Christ. And I want us to think today about the heritage and the inheritance that we have in the Lord. And so you pay attention to those words as we read today. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Pause there for a moment. In no way is the Apostle saying that the law is weak in and of itself. The law is perfect. He speaks about the law being glorious. And yet the righteousness that we have through Christ's perfect obedience of the law becomes itself more glorious to us. And so the weakness of our flesh meant that we were unable to keep the perfection of the law in all its glory. And so let's remember and think about that. There is no defect in the perfect law of God. It is a true and right and absolute reflection of His holy and perfect nature. Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. 
For to be carnally minded, to be worldly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, for I account, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The Lord will bless, we pray, His Word to every one of our hearts this morning. We are glad that you are here in our service with us today. And those who are joining our service online, you are very, very welcome. And we trust that if you've tuned in for the first time today, you will send a little note or a record of some way we can pray for you and with you. Uh, that email will be on your, the screen in front of you sometime through the service. And those who are in our meeting uh, for the first time, we want you to know you're very, very welcome. We have Joseph with us today for the first time. Uh, he's visiting with us from, there he is right there. Okay, I see you now, Joseph. It's good to have you visiting from South Korea. He's here as a student. And there is a, a very encouraging connection uh, between uh, Joseph's father and uh, Song Ki Lee, who is the pastor of our church in South Korea. They are very good friends. And so, Joseph, we're very happy that you're here in our church today. And we pray the Lord will bless you in your time in Canada. And you will know the Lord's help in everything you do. And so, others, we also remember in prayer. On Friday, we had the funeral service for Reverend John Bodner, and that was held out in the West End 
of the city. And I encourage you to continue, please, in your prayers for his wife, Dorothy. She is able to have her family from the Isle of Man, where she was born, and they are with her here for some time. And so that's encouraging and will be helpful to her. But, of course, when they take their leave and go back to their place, and she will have to continue to get things sorted out, you will need your prayers. So she's very thankful for the support that she has had that they have known from our church. And I had the opportunity and privilege of leading the service on Friday in the funeral home. And there are other friends and uh, Pastor Mitchell Persaud, who is also a good friend of John Bodner. He was taking part in the service. And Chris Powell, uh, he did the interment service. Pastor Powell and Pastor Glendon Thompson from Jarvis Street Baptist Church, he brought the message And uh, John Bodner had many associations and friends that were far-reaching, and so we said it was a good ecumenical service that we were able to have in the most positive way and use of that word. So that was an encouraging thing. So we want to remember his family in prayer. Also, let's continue to hold up uh, those who are not well. We think of, of Anna Tan, Isabel Glynn, and also our sister Serene and brother Ron and Richard, and these ones who are with us and on our hearts continually. We want them to know the hand of God upon their lives and the blessing of the Lord every single day. Don't forget to pray, please, for our school, for Whitfield. It's been a good start to the school year and a good encouraging attitude with all the students and please remember them in prayer and all of our staff members. Today we have our pre-service prayer time at 5.50. Our evening service will be at 6.30. And then our Bible study and prayer time Wednesday at 7.30. I want to say a word of thanks to Brother Andre Lyons. He took the uh, young adult Bible class this morning. And uh, Brother uh, Simon is uh, up in the Berry congregation preaching there this week and also next Lord's Day as Brother DiDerno, Tony, is down in Fredericton with his son helping him just get set up. Do remember Brother Frank DiDerno, he starts his ministry on the 24th of September. He starts his ministry there in an official capacity. And so I told him, I said, we are praying for you, brother. And we want you to know the power of God upon your ministry from the very first day you start there and that God will do a thing to raise up people and bring in a congregation to continue on in that work. So let's remember, uh, Brother DiDerno, please, in your prayer. We have the upcoming presbytery and prayer times that will be this October in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so once again, many of our ministers and elders will be converging there. So please be in prayer for all of the presbytery meetings. As you are faithful praying for our session and board meetings here in this church, well, we want you to do that by greater extension to all of our elders and and ministers that represent the churches in North America, that the Lord would bless uh, them all. So please remember them before those meetings before the Lord. And then also an advance notice regarding the retirement of Reverend Reggie Cranston and the 30th anniversary of Port Hope. That will be the last 
full week of October when they are having special meetings. And then our brother Cranston will be having a dinner they will be having on the Saturday night, the last Saturday of October. And it will be a good time where an opportunity of acknowledging the ministry of our brother as he retires from his 30 years there. Brother Cranston has been a total of 50 years, I believe it is, in the ministry. And so that's quite a milestone that he has come to as well. That reminds you of the recent edition of Let the Bible Speak, the magazine. And this is a marking the 50th anniversary. And just on Thursday past, I was with Dr. McClelland, and he was doing a recording because, as you know, he was intent on being there, invited and planning, but because of his health setback, wasn't able. So we did a recording, and I'll be sending that off this week. They'll be playing that recording, answering some questions and just some reflections on the start, because he was involved in the very commencement of Let the Bible Speak over in Northern Ireland. And so 50 years have passed, but you get, grab a copy of that, and you would find the articles in there also very interesting. Let us worship the Lord again, please, by singing hymn number 639. 639. And we will stand as we worship the Lord.
this very day, this very morning, those that have parted from us know by experience what we are singing about here. They know what it is like to be with the Lord, to be in the presence of their Redeemer and their Savior and their King. And Brother John is rejoicing this day. And so, friends, we also can look with that anticipation of what lies in front of us, maybe not many days from now. We do not know the hour, the day. And I wonder, friend, if you're here, you're watching online, that you're not sure because you don't have Christ as your Savior. You can be certain this very moment. You can know because when you have Christ in your life, that means you have eternal life abiding in you. Let's sing this final verse. Turn now in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1. The first nine verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied." Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, 
whom having not seen, we love, in whom, though now we see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You will have gathered already, I am sure, that we are going to be thinking about verse 4 today of the opening chapter of this book. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Lord, take this Word now, this Word that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It has been given to us, Lord, so graciously that You have made known Your mind to us. And Lord, as we have this Word that is forever settled in heaven, I pray, Lord, its truth would come to us with power, certainty, assurance today. Don't let us misunderstand its truth or be distracted in any way. But Lord, let us take hold of it and stand by faith on this great foundation. Father, hear our prayer today. Encourage us now, we ask, in our Savior's precious and holy name. Amen. We're thinking today about an inheritance that we have and ours that we possess that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. This portion of Scripture was one that was read on Friday at the funeral of our brother Bodner. He had a difficult last year of his life. Following a surgery that he had just over a year before he died, he never really recovered from that surgery. And he was both in the hospital and in the care facility. And yet, as I commented on Friday, I never heard John complain. I did not hear him being overwhelmed with sorrows, yet I'm sure he had his difficult times. He had his sufferings, no doubt. But one thing he did say to me when I spoke to him, he said, I'm thankful that the Lord has given me this time. He said, I know I am dying. I know my death will be not long off. But he said, I'm thankful that God's given me opportunity to make my last preparations. And so he did. He made the final preparations for his entire funeral program. Every scripture that was to be read, every person that was to take part, everything that was to be said and done. And he took great joy in doing that because he wanted 
His Savior to be magnified. There was one thing that was omitted from that funeral program, and there was no place for any tributes, no place given for any eulogies, as we sometimes call them. You know, he didn't want that. But we had occasion to speak and say a few things that we remembered in recollections of our dear brother. But it was a service that was to the glory of God and directed toward the honor of the King. And so he wanted in the opening Scriptures to be read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, to Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead to this great inheritance. It is something that we could say has value. You know, generally, we think of things that have value because of how long that they last. If a car manufacturer produces a vehicle that is built better and runs longer, well, they will have a higher resale value. And they would long to be at the top of the market stats to have their vehicles the most longest lasting ones and the greatest resale value. On the other hand, if you were rewarded for winning a competition and they gave you a styrofoam trophy, well, you might conclude that your race or your competition was not really of that much value among the people who were organizing the event. And also, if you were called to the reading of a will, and you were thinking about receiving a generous part of that estate, only to find out that instead of getting that condo in Florida, uh, you got the swampland in Florida. Instead, that's virtually without any value. Uh, You might have thought your inheritance was not really much thought about. There are many other examples that we could come up with, and I'm sure you would have a few yourself. But the lesson and the underlining truth is that we'd better not place our our value, our estimation of worth upon those things that are temporal or fleeting, things that are unstable, riches that are here one day and they're gone the next, and things that well, we can so often be tempted on putting great estimation of their value in it. The most exotic sports car. Great value on the market today. But, of course, when it gets into an accident, it's all a pile of rubble and twisted steel and fiberglass. What use is it then? It just takes a lot more money to repair them. No, friends, we have to think about those things that are going to have inherent value in them. And I say this to you today because if you this morning are trusting in an inheritance that has been promised by God and guaranteed by Jesus Christ Himself, then you have something of inestimable value. You have become an heir with Jesus Christ of all that God has given to Him 
And we read that in Romans 8, verse 17. Your eternal future is not uncertain. It is stable. It is secure. Think about what you have. Think about what it will mean 200 years from now when there will not be one person in this church alive at that time. Think about it. Not one person, nor will there be one person listening online. You will not be alive on this earth 200 years from now. What will your inheritance on this earth mean then? Well, someone else will be squandering it by that time. No, friend. There is is such importance in considering that what God has given to us as an inheritance, what we have been guaranteed in Christ Jesus, is eternal life. It's something of eternal value and happiness because we have peace with God and the peace of God forever and forever and forever. Currency, the paper stuff, it ain't going to be worth, worth much in 200 years. And if you put your trust in crypto, you may find yourself disappointed in that as well. And so what do people do? They, they bank on precious metals. Gold, silver, uranium, and all that stuff because it's supposed to have enduring value. But think about this. Peter's epistle tells us that there's coming a day when the judgment of God will descend upon this world and it will be burned up and the elements, the smallest particles that can be understood or known to man, will be dissolved. Everything will be gone. Where then is your hope? Where is your inheritance, friend? We have today in Christ a spiritual inheritance. Now, when Peter was writing his epistle, he was writing to the saints in Asia. They were the Hebrew scattered about Asia. And he encouraged them. He encouraged them with this great truth that we also draw from this, that they were elect according to the foreknowledge of God. They were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And we have the same hope. He says that they were begotten again. They were born again by God's gracious, eternal purpose and providence. They were born again unto a lively or a living hope. That which God gives is guaranteed and living, and it endures. We have been given spiritual life and born again by the Lord's Spirit. We deserve nothing, friend. We deserve nothing from God but His wrath for our sin. And yet God in mercy to our souls, He has given us the new birth, He has given to us a direct connection with Himself. We have a relationship with the Lord. 
And we have an inheritance that He has promised. And this inheritance that we have in Christ is something that we want to relish, consider, think about every day. And as we do that, we must know that it is based upon a relationship with God. If you do not have a relationship with the Lord, then very directly you have no inheritance from Him. Make that very clear. If you're not connected with God, if you're not related to Him, if you have not been born again of His Spirit, you have no inheritance from Him. Because the nature of an inheritance, it's based upon relationship. You have to have relationship to have an inheritance. Now, I know sometimes people will receive something from a will or something from someone that's left to them, but the very nature of the inheritance in its totality, it is based upon relationship. The vast majority of human estates received by inheritance they result from a prior relationship. A son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a relative, a bloodline somewhere. And in a spiritual sense, the relationship that we have with God is directly through His only begotten Son. It must be grounded upon something that is firm and will last for eternity. And that foundation is the foundation that no other can be laid, and that which is Christ Jesus Himself. Now sometimes, in human contracts, conditions are virtually hidden in the fine print or in some confusing language. And it's not until you and you've done this, I'm sure you have, you scroll quickly to the bottom to the I agree button. And you're not going to read 15 pages of fine print when you want to get online to get your technology hooked up and you want to get going. No, you just go to the bottom and put agree. And you don't know what you've agreed to. You could have agreed to your whole inheritance being given over to that technological company. But whatever it is, the fact is we don't read the fine print. But you know what? When the Lord gives us this today, what I'm talking about there is no fine print here. There is no fine print of some sort of I gotcha moment that you, oh, you never found out about this. You get to the gate of heaven and you've confessed your sins to Christ. You believed in Him. You've lived your life for the Lord. But the Lord says, oh, but you forgot about this. No, friend. The Lord does not play tricks and games with His people. And He says to you, I give you the gift of everlasting life. Will you take and receive it? It is so simple and so free. It is by believing and receiving Christ Jesus as your own. And when you do that, you will then be brought into His family. You will be made a son or a daughter of God. You, you will have then the relationship that is contingent, that is essential for you to have the inheritance that we are talking about here. 
If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, of God's. We are all sinners by our nature, sinners by birth, sinners by habit, by our desires. And this very fact prohibits us from being accepted into God's family because we are children of wrath. We are children born and separated from God. We are not His children. Oh, I know that in one sense of the creation of God, all humanity is from that creation. But when we're thinking about the spiritual context here, we born in our sin have no relationship with the Lord. So, if we would receive this inheritance, there has to be a change. There has to be a coming out of the darkness of our own rebellion and enmity and hatred and wickedness and be brought into the light and the liberty and the freedom and the joy of so great salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And He hath raised us up together, and He has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. John in his epistle, picked up a theme very similar to this where he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now, now, present tense, are we the sons of God. Oh, friends, if you have Christ, then you have a relationship that is being spoken about here in this Scripture. Matthew 25 and verse 33. It says, And He shall set the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left hand, they shall, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Oh, what a great, what a great text of Scripture. And I suggest to you that what Peter was given us here in his letter in verse 4 of his opening chapter it was a direct reflection on what Jesus Christ had said in His presence that He heard when the Lord's talking about the end of all time. 
And he is talking about the great gathering and judgment day when there will be before the King of Kings the sheep and the goats. And what is that all about? The sheep speak about those on his right hand who are his children, those who are born again of the Spirit. And the goats on his left hand are those who are without Christ. Maybe they thought they were saved. Maybe they pretended about being saved. Maybe they attended church. Maybe some attended this church. Maybe. But those that were on the left side of the Lord, that great division that will be made, He separated them. But all through life and all through church history, the sheep and the goats have been mingling together. And sometimes it was very hard to tell them apart. Sometimes it's hard in the church to say who's really saved, who's not saved. But the Lord's going to make that division one day. And when that division was made, the King of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to say, Come, you who are blessed of My Father, inherit... Oh, there's that word. Inherit what? The burned up world that's worthless? No, friend. Inherit the kingdom. The kingdom which has been prepared for you. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What a great truth we have in front of us here today. And this is all based upon the relationship later on in Matthew 25. And you've heard this before because we studied this going through the life of Christ about the Lord Jesus saying, you will receive your reward because as you have done it unto one of the least of these My servants, My brothers, you have done it unto Me. And they've given, they've provided for, they've sheltered, they've helped. And yet the people at that day said, Lord, when have we ever saw You without need and helped You? When have we ever saw You imprisoned and came to minister to You? And he said, when you have done it unto one of the least of these my servants, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And that, my dear friends, is the, the blessing of knowing that we are connected to Christ. And it's been prepared for us, this inheritance, from before the foundation of the world. And doesn't that what exactly Peter brings out? That you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God? That which the Lord has given to us in this inheritance is something of sovereign grace. Something He has provided for us. And He has given that to us. In the Revelation 21, verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be My Son. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yes, we have received the spirit of adoption, not of bondage, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Alexander Nisbet, the commentator, 
He said, this heavenly inheritance of the saints does not come to them by their own purchase or procurement, but by virtue of their sonship. I wonder, friend, today, do you have this sonship? Are you a child of the King today? Do you know Him? This relationship, this inheritance can only be understood by the relationship that we have with our Lord Jesus. But I want you to notice also that this inheritance transcends the natural processes of decay. It transcends everything that is natural. Because we're told, we're coming back to 1 Peter 1 verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, an inheritance that is incorruptible. It fades not away. I need not tell you that everything on this earth is fading. Things just left to themselves will decay and dissolve, and it's all part of the makeup of this world of nature. It's a result of sin that came into the world because we're told that this creation itself, it groans under the strain of corruption and death. And there's coming a day when the very creation itself will be released from the curse of sin. And even the very nature of science that is around us today, and the laws of science tell us that there are things that are diminishing. All energy is diminishing, and things are burning out. The sun in our solar system, it is burning out. We see it in the objects that are close to us. We see it in the toys. We see it in the cars, vehicles, things around the house, the lawnmowers. We see it in our own bodies, and all things are corruptible. We stopped at a garage sale yesterday, and uh, we were able to pick up a few bits and pieces, some toys and books for the library. Jill's always on the lookout for things that can be repurposed, and there are some good things. But of the toys that were there, the children had obviously outgrown those toys, and one time they were the greatest thing for them. But now it's time for them to go to a garage sale and be sold off. Maybe someone else might find some use for it. Friend, not so with the inheritance that God has given to us and that He has prepared for us because it's eternal. Heaven is in the truest sense ever green. It's always fruitful and it's always beautiful. One commentator put it this way, no autumn winds strip the trees of their foliage and no winter blasts rob the fields of their verdure, of their growth and beauty. Because in heaven there is no decay. Things do not pass. The principle of decay is not in heaven. And though all around us is crumbling with time, our heavenly inheritance will remain intact. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, we have these words, For we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle will be dissolved, and that when it is dissolved, we have 
a building of God, an house not made with hands. And how does Paul describe it? Eternal in the heavens. And the truth should greatly encourage us with expectation to a better home in glory. But it should also cause us to keep things in perspective, doesn't it? Things in this earth. We're going to be careful that we don't allow the things of this earth to distract us. And we don't want to lay up our treasure in earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. No, friend, we have to realize that this earth is given to us here and the things in this world for our use, for our enjoyment, for our blessing. And the Lord has given us all things richly to enjoy. But every time we see a leaf that changes its color and falls down to the ground, as already around our parking lot we see it again, the coming of fall and of winter, when the leaves on the trees will be down and the season will come to a close. It always reminds us that the season of life is coming to a close for us, as it did for our brother John, as it will do and has done for many in this congregation. But the joy of heaven and the joy of this transcending Joy and inheritance we have in glories, it will never decay. Ah, but friends, know this that our inheritance cannot ever be tainted with sin again. The inheritance and glory that is promised to us by the Lord, that has been reserved in heaven for us, prepared by Christ, it's an inheritance that is undefiled. Undefiled. The meaning of the word is pure, but of course in the negative sense. So it is something that is absolutely pure. It cannot ever be impure. It cannot ever be infected with the taint of sin. It cannot ever be overcome with some disease or corruption. No, because our inheritance is undefiled. It can't be obtained either by any kind of dishonesty because inheritances in this life, they have been, they can be, taken by, well, things that are less than noble interest. But the inheritance that you and I have in heaven, it cannot be obtained by fraudulent means. Remember when the Lord Jesus spoke about He was the door into the sheepfold, and He said, there are others that try to come in through another way. The thief and the robber, they try to climb over the wall. They try to come in by some other way, but there is no entrance into God's kingdom. There is no possessing of the inheritance that He had by any corrupt means or deceptive means. How many estates have been taken by some deception. You know, a loved one may be getting older and some family member, they think, let's change the will 
so that we can disenfranchise those who were on the original will. We'll get another will. We'll try to get rid of the first one. You know, that whole thing can go on. And it does go on. And sometimes those who are not the rightful heir, they will try to take and steal that which is not theirs. This happened in a very real sense in history on a very solemn day. It was St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. It was August the 24th and the 25th. The year was 1572. It was in Paris. And that day had been marked as a day when the Huguenot Protestants were to be killed. And some of those who were leaders in royalty and who happened to be Huguenots, they were also targeted. It's estimated that over 100,000, let that number rest in your mind, 100,000 Huguenot French Protestants were butchered. They were put to death by Catholic mobs inspired by the papacy. Yes, you don't have to look very far into church history to see the bloody hands of Rome all over the saints of God. Well, as that great travesty of genocide took place, there were some opportunists who thought, this is a good opportunity for me to get rich quick. And so they were maybe not in the direct line of the inheritance that they would have been receiving. There was someone in front of them in the line. And so what did they do? They would accuse the person that was in the front line of receiving the inheritance of being a Huguenot. Now, they were probably a Catholic. They were probably something else. But that didn't make any difference they would get their body band of people together and they would say, that person's a Huguenot. Let them die. And before the person could make a defense, there was such a frenzy in the mob that was going on that day that that person was killed. And so when all the dust settled, the next person in line to receive the inheritance of property and of money and of lands and everything else, they received it by their wicked and deceitful means. Many inheritances have caused, on the other point, the downfall of people who have received them. People who have come upon great wealth and riches, who have not worked for it, and have no real appreciation for it. Getting a large estate is like winning a lottery in one sense. They have not grown up with it. They haven't worked for it. They do not know how to handle it. And it has often been the destruction of the life of the individuals that have received that. I know of one such person personally. His parents died at a young age, and when he received an inheritance, he was a young teenager. And instead of the parents putting that into a trust until the person had become of age, he received that money early. And having access to the type of resources that he had, he felt, I really don't have to work. I don't have to be employed. And so, his time was filled up with staying up late at night, watching movies, 
playing video games, getting up at noon in the daytime, living a life which was undisciplined. Well, as the years went past and the bank account depleted, there came a point when there was no more money in the account. But the lifestyle, you see, had continued on. And the spending of the credit cards had continued on. And so now not only did the person spend all the inheritance that they had, but they had massed great debt as well. So now they have to go out and try to pay off their debt or go bankrupt. And I don't know the end of that story. But it's a sad one. And it's not a unique one either. Ah, but friend, understand this that the inheritance that we have in glory is undefiled. It is pure. It cannot be twisted or turned. You can't receive it by fraud, and nor can it be distorted or used or abused, because when we receive it in glory, we will be perfect like our Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, friends, do you have and possess this inheritance? I close with this in one final and brief thought. We're told it's reserved in heaven. Reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 25? This is exactly what Peter is repeating here. And he rejoiced as he thought about so great salvation that he had received and what that meant. It wasn't for time, it was for eternity. And my dear believer, we must view our life in the light of eternity, or if not, we will be overwhelmed. We will be cast down and in the throes of depression and discouragement. But we must always keep our view and our vision heavenward and to the eternal, for we have something that is reserved for us for the endless ages of eternity And it will never be taken away from us. How do I know that? How is that so sure? Because we are told in Christ we have all these things. And the inheritance that God has given to Him, He said we are joint heirs with Him and we have received the same that He received. So if Christ could lose His inheritance, then we would lose ours. Would it be possible for the Savior, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, to lose what the Lord, what He has from all eternity as His possession? No, it's not possible. And so therefore, it is not possible for us to lose that eternal inheritance we have. It is beyond the reach of Satan You might lose a lot of stuff in this earth. Friend, you might lose an inheritance that is rightfully yours here in some physical thing. It's possible. But when we have lost things that we have cherished, or when we have not received things we felt we rightly deserved, what are we to do about that? Let us remember and think, there is an inheritance that belongs to you that can never be erased. It can never be taken away. Why? Because it is our legal right. Not in some court in this world, but in the court of heaven. Before God, He has declared it is our legal right. And if the devil 
had thought once to contest that will, his mouth is silenced, and he is separated into a lake of fire that is burning forever and ever. And oh, friend, let us rejoice today that we have that which the moth cannot eat away, and the thief can't break through and steal, and we don't need any more keys or passes. What does that do for us? And I'll leave it with you in conclusion now. In light of this, how are we to live our life now? Friends, we are to live our life with joy in times of sorrow or in times of loss. We, we are to loosen the attractiveness of sin in our life. We are to keep our attention focused on eternity and not on time. And may the Lord write His Word upon our hearts. And my dear friend, if you're not a believer here today, then the Lord says, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And you can know the peace and the joy of Christ in your heart. I say to you now, repent of your sin and come to Him at the sound of your voice, at the prayer of your heart. He will hear you and He will save you. We're going to close our service by singing hymn number 360. When we all get to heaven, sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace, In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. Let's stand, please, to sing.
Father, I pray that there will be not one in this church that will be absent on that day. Lord, use Your Word and bless the truth of it to every heart. Reinforce to those of us who are believers the great and simple yet profound meaning of all this in a very practical way. And so, Lord, part us now in Your fear and with rich blessing. And keep us, we pray, as we come back to the evening service tonight, as we go about our daily business in this incoming week, keep us, we ask, O Lord, in the center of Your will, rejoicing in so great salvation. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Mm-mm-mm. <clears throat>